Hey everybody, welcome to the XR for Business podcast with your host, Alan Smithson. Today, we're speaking with Walter Davis, head of talent and learning technology at Agreco. We'll be learning about how they're using XR to train technicians and speed up their time to competency for new and existing employees. All that and more on the XR for Business podcast. Walter, welcome to the show. Thanks, Alan. Glad to be here. Really excited. Why don't you start by telling us... Uh, your role at Agreco and how you started working in XR in this role. I think first thing to do it might might help to paint a picture of maybe what Agreco does, uh, which which will help in then showing how we're up applying augmented reality to our our services. So Agreco is uh, the largest provider of temporary power and cooling solutions. Uh, we work in over 100 countries, uh, and we power things like Super Bowl here in the U.S., which uh, many of you might know, or uh, the uh, Olympics that are coming up in Japan. That's another project we're doing. Uh, but we also work everywhere from remote parts of Africa to um, powering up a data center that needs some backup power. So we're, we're sort of everywhere in the background, if you would, um, just ensuring that, that major events and operations run smoothly. Uh, and with that, obviously, we, we need to ensure that we are providing an expert service and minimize any potential downtime. We need to have expert uh, staff to support that. So basically, if the lights stay on, you guys are there. Exactly. That's a great way of putting it. We make it a point to ensure that we're, uh, we have a highly reliable service. So I was reading Agrico specializes in seven key areas, oil and gas, manufacturing, mining, petrochemicals, construction, and then events. <laughs> it's like the live events thing almost seems like uh, an add-on to, uh, to this, but it seems to fit perfectly. It does. Yeah. So events are, are really what we're known for, right? I mean, that's where we will um, pop up on occasion. Actually, I could say that we are actually in one, in a, we're in a recent uh, country music video in the background because uh, we were powering the uh, the stage uh, that they recorded the music video at. But uh, yeah, like I said, just keeping the lights on, keeping making sure that, that entertainment can happen, events can happen, and, and everybody has a comfortable experience. So how does VR, AR, XR relate to temporary power? With the, the nature of our business, as we operate in over 100 countries, we're a, we, we operate very broadly, but very agilely. And one of the, uh, the challenges that we tend to uh, sometimes have is ensuring that we can bring um, new hires and uh, products together really in that introductory period of time when someone's just joining the organization. Uh, we don't always necessarily have every type of fleet available for them to familiarize themselves with and educate themselves on uh, to start developing those competencies. And uh, where we're seeing AR in particular is in allowing those uh, individuals to gain that knowledge really right when they join the organization. They're able to go through a, an immersive experience in full scale, so as if the product was right in front of them, um, going both familiarizing themselves with the key components and aspects of the product, but also going through a key service procedures that they might be performing in the field, uh, whether it's locking out the equipment or going through an A service, this opens up that avenue for us to ensure that they can get those experiences and get that knowledge really right when they come into the organization. A training module then? It is. Yeah. That's where we've, we've started. So hence, hence my background uh, as uh, uh, looking after the talent and learning technologies. So our focus is on uh, upskilling the folks in the first instance. With that though, we are exploring other avenues. I'll, I'll throw out there that uh, I was in Glasgow and uh, the UK here for the, for the last two weeks. And I'd met with our product design team who are, who are also really 
um, starting to leverage some of this technology in the product design aspects, our operations team as well uh, out in the field. So we're seeing it grow. Um, I think learning, we started a little earlier than others, so we're a little further ahead, but the application of the technology is starting to spread throughout the organization. So can you walk us through what the AR experience looks like and feels like for a new employee? Sure. So we've developed the uh, experience uh, primarily for use on mobile devices, which is one of the reasons why we lean towards augmented reality versus some of the others was the sheer scale that you can deploy AR out within your existing infrastructure. So because we could leverage our mobile phones, that allows us to deploy this app, you could say, to the employee's uh, mobile devices. And then once they're in the app, they'll open it up they'll choose an experience that they'd like to go through. So at the moment we have it by a product. So they'll pick that product. Then once they've opened it, it'll, it's going to ask them to place the product, right? So that's going to be the first activity. They're going to look for a, a space to place this full scale product. And some of our products can be fairly large. So they'll first place it in an open area that they have. And then the first thing that's going to happen is they're going to get a screen that's really, that's going to ask them to do a walk around. So a walk around is something that we've added to the introduction of the experiences as we're starting to gain more familiarity with uh, augmented reality. And the walk around helps us ensure that they're placing this experience in a safe working area. So we we show them a video of how to do a walk around. So they'll it, where it shows here walking around the equipment, checking for any objects on the ground, making sure that it's not protruding halfway through a wall that might be nearby or something that you have the space. You need to fully walk around the product safely big though, right? Like their size of a container ship kind of thing. Yeah. So it could be 20 feet long, maybe even longer and 10 feet or so high. So this is a very large. So not something you're going to be dropping in your living room. <laughs> no, it, not something you'll be dropping in your living room. Um, and we, we lean to the full scale option uh, simply to give that immersiveness and, and give that replication of that real life experience. While we did try out a few other scales, um, we found that just having that full scale, it's just that that additional added value of it's really what you're going to see when you do come across that real product. Um, and it's going to be in the same way. It's going to be in the same positions. Uh, there's no compromise. So then after you do your walk around, you've ensured that you've placed this object in a safe area to work. Uh, you'll get a couple of options to, to go through and perform different activities. So one of the first uh, activities that people will learn to perform is lotto. So learning how to lock out and tag out a piece of equipment. So they'll go through the equipment, go through lotto, isolating the battery and these other sort of technical elements to ensure that the equipment is safe to work on. And then um, after that, they can go through other activities, whether it's product introduction, where you'll learn all the key features and components of the product, or you'll have an option to jump in and do any of the uh, service procedures like um, oil changes, uh, fuel filter changes, uh, sort of maintenance repair procedures, if you would. Throughout those procedures, um, what we're doing as well is, so as this is a learning experience, they'll go through a couple of sections and then after each section, there'll be a, a Q&A element to sort of check their knowledge and ensure that they've, you know, as they're going through it, that they're understanding some of the elements, some of the things that are happening. Um, some of the other things that we'll call, we call out along the way are sort of key safety elements. Um, if there's something that they need to be aware of in that particular environment, such as recycling, use oil, or if there's a key electrical hazard or, or whatever, we call those elements out as well along the process. 
And then uh, after they finish it up, I mean, it's almost literally as, as quick as I've, I've talked you through it. I mean, uh, obviously it takes sl- a little bit longer when you have it uh, placed out in reality. But then uh, after they finished up the activity and they've walked, and again, I mean, this is a full-scale model. So when they are going through, for example, an A service, some of those activities are on the other side. So they will literally have to physically walk around that product and go to the other side of the equipment and do the other activities that are on the other side. One of the things we've implemented to direct people to different areas are guides. So the guide will pop up. It'll sort of highlight a path for them to walk around and they'll walk around the other side to perform that task. After they finish now these learning components, you could say, for that product, they've basically finished their AR experience and gained that familiarization that they wouldn't have normally been able to have without having the product in physically in front of them. How are you measuring success of this? Like, is it just completion or is it time to completion or is it time to mastery? You know, like, What are your uh, reference points for KPIs or key performance indicators? And what, what kind of data are you collecting about learners? Yeah. So in the first instance, one of the first things that we'd focused on was uh, equipment downtime. It, it can be costly to move the product, have these products sitting in a learning center or, or sitting at a, at a depot rather than, than being with a customer. So that was one financial aspect that we looked at was the cost of having these products sit uh, and be unavailable for use on a customer site. And depending on the product, they'll have a slightly different financial metric. On the other side, I mean, we know that there's, I mean, I think everyone's aware of, obviously, there's the, the travel and, and other elements as you're using this technology. These introductory elements um, currently, before AR, as they were being delivered, were being delivered in a classroom. So having these components um, now delivered on as a self-paced module in their own time is freeing up up to half a day a day of training that would have happened in the classroom. And what's that doing? What, we're not portraying that, you could say, as a, as a reduction in classroom time. But what we are saying is we can take now this half a day to day of training and focus it on a higher level skill of training. So when they're coming to the classroom, we're not focusing on so much on familiarizing them with the product, giving them this introduction on how that product works, how you can perform some of these basic services. We're focusing more on the, the expert pieces, if you were, more complex activities. And just that is allowing us to have a higher level of knowledge by the end of this process. We're focusing on activities we would have normally um, not been able to do or required to fly or bring someone in through a separate training instance or a separate session. Have you experimented with head-worn devices? And is there a marked uh, difference between using a mobile phone and a head-worn device that you've seen? We are uh, experimenting at the moment with the head-worn devices. We have uh, HoloLens 2, which are not easy to come by these days. Um, so we have uh, received one of those, and we're we're looking at some of its uh, application uh, in the classroom. What I would say with the head-worn devices is, yeah, you, you definitely have a slightly more immersive experience than you would have had with the uh, phone. I guess the downside of that, obviously, with the head-worn devices at the moment is, is the scalability of it, requiring everyone to have a head-worn device. Where we see the head-worn devices applying as far as in into those learning scenarios are really once we get to more of the multiplayer activities. So what we're looking at right now is how can we, say we were to bring um, a couple of HoloLenses into the classroom. One of the pieces we're looking at is, well, how can we ensure that everybody who's wearing one of those HoloLenses is looking at the exact same thing at the, at the exact same time? Um, currently, obviously, we've deployed this uh, self-paced element. So each person... Uh, is looking at that uh, experience from their own point of view. One person may be on task five, while the other one might be on seven or eight. 
where we're seeing the HoloLens or even those head-worn devices adding value are for some of these group activities where we can bring someone through, bring everyone through an experience at the same time and um, in that same flow. So you're really starting to augment almost that instructor-based learning, if you would. Add in the, the remote aspect to that, then and I think you'd, you'd have the future of um, virtual conference training, if you would, so that web-based uh, uh, virtual training. Uh, have you guys started to look at uh, collaboration platforms, things like uh, Meet in VR or uh, Spatial or things like that? We have started to look at a couple. I'd say we haven't taken them necessarily as, as serious as of yet. We're really more in the, in, in the exploratory, if you would, uh, looking at a couple of different providers. From that conferencing aspect, um, I mean, from, from our point of view, we're always looking at, well, how can we still leverage that as well for that knowledge transfer piece, whether it's uh, spatial or, or future visual or any of these others. But no, we're, we're, I'd say that's, that's an area we aren't as far along, um, especially when I compare other avenues, like I said, where we're looking at leveraging augmented reality for um, use in field operations or product design or learning. I'd say collaboration is the, is the avenue that we, we haven't explored as far as others. But um, I think that it, it, that's definitely the direction of travel, right? I think everyone's, we're all um, at the moment in this, you could say, single person experience, more or less. And I think once you get into that multi-person experience is where you're, you're really going to start to see that ROI jump e- even higher than, than it already is. What other uh, types of, of this technology or what other aspects of this technology are you investigating? What have you seen that excites you? Yeah, I mean, we, we've touched on it already. The, the multiplayer is really the piece that I think is going to get really exciting is when you can bring people together from all around the world and uh, into these sort of shared experiences. I mean, I know you can already do that really well um, with a lot of different platforms in VR. What I'd love to see is how we can bring that across um, those technologies where, where it doesn't matter if you're in VR, AR, MR, however you want to, whatever R you want to use, that you can be together and go through an experience together, have those complex conversations, solving problems, sharing knowledge, um, and just really taking full advantage of this technology that allows us to immerse ourselves in, in conversations, if you would, and immerse ourselves in uh, in creativity, regardless of borders and, and, and distance, and you could say. So I think uh, the, the multiplayer is really the one that, uh, that I'm really anxious to see grow and, and mature really a, a, across the platforms. It seems like this community is really opening up to help each other. What are some of the tips that you would give to a, a new company that wants to start deploying this, uh, this technology for a use case? I know a lot of companies, I think, have looked at this technology, and I know quite a few folks who struggled to get out of the pilot purgatory. But I mean, one of the things that I would recommend is once you do get uh, that pilot and get that initial company-centric experience, because what what I have found is is although you could have an amazing um, example of how this can apply, unless it's really ticking all the boxes for your organization, or even has a flavor of what goes on in your own organization, it, the, the conversation still can be challenging. And I'll even give you an example. So if even if I have a, an example of how to go through a service on this on X product, um, if it's not necessarily related to our industry, it, it can sometimes be challenging to portray it, how that would impact our flow and the training on, on actually our products and how it can be used in that way. What I have found is it 
the things that I think have helped us get through this is focusing quickly on getting an example of one of our products up and going. Um, and then I think it's a matter of, um, I do, I, I like the phrase working out loud. Um, and if you have any opportunities in your organization to work out loud on tools, like, I mean, we use um, some of the Microsoft tools here internally, like uh, Microsoft Teams and Yammer. I'd recommend sharing those successes as early on, getting people excited, starting to build up the crowd, if you would. And I'd say one of the things which I probably myself even could have done a little quicker is then once you've built up that initial case, you've got a solid use case ROI and an example is get it in front of the right stakeholders and, and start to build in your partners and getting them committed in supporting you. What, what I found is there has not been any shortcoming of, of support uh, for the technology. Um, it's just a matter of getting it in front of the right people, getting them familiar with it, getting them introduced and uh, having the right kind of example that resonates with your business. So get a company-centric example, work out loud, and then get it in front of those stakeholders as soon as you can so you have a partner to go with you along that journey. Pretty sage advice, my friend. What problem in the world do you want to see solved using XR technologies? Ooh, yeah. So I think that if I had to um, pick a problem that, we, that I'd like to see solved, it would be around uh, reducing the time to maturity to leverage um, new products to solve some of the environmental energy challenges that we have in the world. I mean, it's an area that, that obviously here we take uh, quite seriously. We have battery storage and other elements that we're bringing out. And I'd really love to see this technology leveraged to bring those solutions out even quicker, reduce their time to market and uh, get that design going even quicker. I think that just in uh, the environmental elements, I think there's a lot of opportunities uh, in thinking differently, using this kind of technology to uh, visualize things we might not have been able to visualize before, look at things that we've, we've not been able to see before. Interesting that the value chain that XR brings crosses the entire organization. So from a collaboration of design, being able to bring in a model of a new product, collaborate with people around the world. So you're saving flights, uh, not having to fly people around that they can collaborate together in a, in a virtual space. Then that same asset can be used to train new employees without having to have them travel around. And you can bring the training to them instead of them to the training. And then the last part, you can actually now use the exact same assets that you did for design and training and provide that to your marketing teams. And they can then bring these equipment pieces to your customers wherever they are without having to travel or fly the giant pieces of machinery around. So you have this use case that is the same, yet different stakeholders right across the value chain of the organization. That's exactly right. And I think that's definitely something that, that we're seeing. I mentioned that I've been in the UK here a couple of weeks uh, for the last two weeks, and We've been working together on using this technology to solve challenges within our particular areas. Um, but one of the things I think that we realized even more was how we can leverage this technology both across our streams and save time and money across our streams by putting in the right processes upstream and, and seeing some of those values trickle downstream. And I'll give you an example. By having higher quality CAD and higher quality designs done over in the product design area, that's going to trickle down to learning. That's going to trickle down to field ops and add even more value in the experiences we're creating. The experiences we're creating and learning can be leveraged as knowledge support and stuff in the field. So if, when you need it, you, you can reuse some of those experiences in the moment you need it. So as you mentioned, I think we're, we're really just replacing the 2D experience and, and text-based knowledge that we have. And we're just starting to just bring that knowledge into the world. And, and with that, we're seeing that it applies in a lot of the same ways that it did when it was on the screen and on a website and in these other places. 
it's really just fascinating and amazing to see this uh, technology evolve and move and, and just change the way we work. With that, I want to say thank you, Walter Davis, um, Head of Talent and Learning Technology from Agreco. Thank you again so much for, for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be on this podcast and share your experiences with the world. Thank you, and I appreciate all the work you and the team are doing. So thank you very much for having me. It's our pleasure. Hey there, this is Alan Smithson, your host for the XR for Business podcast. We recently launched the free global resource guide to XR collaboration that's available at xrcollaboration.com. With literally billions of people forced to work and learn from home right now, we felt it our duty to put together a toolkit for organizations to learn how to deploy virtual, augmented, and mixed reality collaboration tools for conferences, meetings, design scrums, classrooms, lecture halls, and so many more. The reality is that these technologies offer a quantum leap beyond the 2D conference calls we're having every day right now. XR Collaboration offers something more visceral, a more human and more social experience in a time of extreme social distancing. We've assembled a coalition of industry leaders to build a set of free tools, including the Global Resource Guide, Directory, and a feature selection tool to help you find the right partners. The visionary partners for XR Collaboration are Qualcomm, Deutsche Telekom, Metaverse, Cleanbox, the Augmented Reality Enterprise Alliance area, XR Bootcamp, Augmented World Expo, or AWE, and the Virtual and Augmented Reality Association. I want to send a special thank you to our visionary partners and the over 30 people who worked on this project. Your passion to help is absolutely incredible. Get your free copy of the Global Resource Guide and access to the directory today at xrcollaboration.com. To help this information reach as many people as possible, I'll be providing a slightly abridged version of the guide right here on XR for Business as a three-part podcast mini-series. Our first installment will deal with the basics of XR, including a glossary of terms, types of XR collaboration tools, and so on. 